Hello, my fellow music lovers. I'm Alison Hagendorf, and welcome to the show. This is where we celebrate the universal love of music and the rock and roll spirit that lives in each of us. Thank you so much for being part of the show. I'd love for you to hit the subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube or follow the show if you're listening. I'm so glad you're here. My guest today is world champion pro wrestler, New York Times bestselling author, podcast pioneer, and frontman of the rock band Fozzie, Chris Jericho. We talk all about his new song, Spotlight, how Metallica changed everything for him, how confidence, drive, and not taking no for an answer led to his multifaceted success, and how his mission is to be the David Bowie of wrestling. I just love that. And stay tuned after the interview for my sound advice. New music, you need to know. It all starts now. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. I want to start with talking about Spotlight which is out today. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, thank you. What a banger. So awesome. Your first song of the year. Yeah. Um, so it's funny, like a funny thing happened on the way to the, to, to the rock and roll show for Fozzie. We became basically a radio band mm-hmm. and you had a lot to do with that when you were the gatekeeper at Spotify, which oh. was great. But um, we've had, I think six consecutive top 10 singles yes. with modern rock. So um, we have been working on doing this tune, but it's a new style of, 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 of releasing, yeah. shall we say. So the Boombox record, we worked on that on 2019. As a matter of fact, the first single, Nowhere to Run, we played that when we opened for Iron Maiden here in LA, September of 2019. So that was the first single record's going to be coming out like in February. And we were going to have this genius idea of calling it 2020. It's like like Van Halen, 1984. Like it's going to be this big release. And then of course, 2020 comes. You're like, oh my God, we don't have to fucking have anything to do with 2020. And not only that, then it slowed everything down. And suddenly we started calling that record Chinese (laughs) Fozocracy. Because it literally took three years, right? So once we spent all this time and then there's a year where it was ready to go, but you don't want to release it because you can't come promote it. You can't, you know, go on tour. So when we put up Boombox in 22, May of 22, 12 great songs. We've worked on these songs. We've honed them. We've had three years to spend with them. Problem that we started realizing is it happens with every band. Six of those tunes uh got a chance three of them were top 10 singles three more get played live and the other six just disappear into the ether like deep cuts yeah Yeah, but they shouldn't be deep cuts they're all great tunes right not yeah so we're like fuck i don't want to do this again so why don't we just concentrate on doing one song and release a new song maybe every four or five months and maybe never do another album again i mean you know things have changed since we you know we were kids buying albums you would wait at the record store for the the record and the cover and you'd smell the vinyl and, and read all the notes so anyway so so to do spotlight the way we've done it as a single meant to be a single it's not from the upcoming al- right. album it's spotlight it's standalone yeah the standalone the spotlight is on the song and it's exciting because like you said it is our first song of 23 and the first song since the boombox sessions was all the way back in 2020 it is possible that boombox might be the last album for now. Yeah. And that's for what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. It's just the way that people consume music now. You know, you, like we said before with, with everyone knows your, your past, but if they don't, like you kind of were in charge of making the playlists on Spotify that made a big difference. Playlist is one song per band, right? Yeah. And, and, and then you or people listen to Shuffle and it's like the, 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 the whole full album experience. It's almost kind of outdated as much as I hate to say that because mm-hmm. I love great records. I, I love 72 Seasons and I love Senjutsu and I love um, you know, power up records. But I think for modern bands, I think that the whole concept of what a record, an album is, is kind of not really valid anymore. 
I think for the super fans who want yeah. to like buy the vinyl and it's like a, it's like art, right. right? It's like a body of work. It's like a work of art. You like sit with it. You touch it. It's tangible. Yeah. But you're absolutely right for the way people consume everything now. It's like you need to be consistent and you yeah. need to keep it coming. Keep it coming. Like yeah. I, I think it's better to do, like I said, let's say a new single every four months. I love that idea. And then you always have something on the radio, right? Yes. And and I was talking with 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 Rich, my my partner in Foz. Right, it's like yeah. we could release. Um, a twelve inch. If you want the, mm-hmm. the you know the 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 souvenir vinyl cover, you can yeah. still do that. Like you can still kind of serve both masters. You can actually put artwork out for each. You could, single. I mean, and you do because yeah. when you put something out on on you know on Spotify Streaming, or whatever, yeah. it's got the thumbnail. Of course, right. So I think that's kind of the way we want to do things, and I would feel that probably. A lot more bands are going to do that. Yeah, newer bands. I think you know the the Maidens and the Metallicas yeah. that we just discussed. They'll always put out <laughs> albums. Course. But look at you too. We both love you too. Yes, we love you. Just started too. the Sphere tour uh, residency, and they just put out one song. One song. Yeah. So I mean, that's probably a smart idea. You know, I did think of you. By the way, are you going to go to the Sphere? Oh, I have, I have to. Yeah. to. I know. So much you as well. Did you go the first couple? I days? didn't go, and I've been not. I don't want to watch any of the videos because I just yeah. want to experience yeah, 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 it. Yeah. And even my friends who like went, they were like, don't even watch the video. Yeah. It doesn't even do it justice. Yeah. I can't. I think that like it's the wild, wild west now, how you sure. see music live, how you listen to music. Absolutely. And it's sort of your own creative liberty, how you want to share and express yeah. and put out your art. You yeah. know, it's kind of an exciting time. Well, like you said, it really is the wild west and there's no rules now. And I think um, one thing that we've always done very well is, is stay a little bit ahead of the curve. And I think you know, like you mentioned, and, and obviously you two is, is, is a great example of that, but just to kind of like ride ahead of the wave rather than behind it. Yeah. So I like the idea of the sphere and I like the idea of doing just a single and not worrying about the album. And, you know, even for us now, it's caused a big controversy, but we use electronic drums live. Right. What that means is our drummer plays electronic drum kit. When you're on stage, you can't hear any drums. On in, out, out, out in the crowd, you hear all the drums because they're electronic, but the difference is for the band itself as a singer, my vocals are better than they've ever been because I don't have the pounding and splashing right. and crashing of the drums and you have to stand over here because if you stand there, you're getting bombarded. So even using that element of future, it's like, you guys don't have real drums. Yes, we have real drums. We have a real drummer who plays drums, yeah. but it's the sounds that we're controlling and in the mix of the of the music. So all of that sort of stuff, I think, as we get away from the old and get more into the new, will more be embraced as as we move forward because it just makes you sound better as a band and extends your your career as a vocalist for sure. I think instead, it's like oh, change is always hard, right? So, mm-hmm. And we love the way things were for so long. Right. So it's all it's a mindset thing. Instead of trying to hang on and hold and say no, that's not pure enough. How can we make these new advancements work for us? Yeah, and actually help to make us our, our best possible selves, you yeah, know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. So, so I think, like I said, like when you hear these great bits of technology, even like, you know, Metallica doing the, uh, the stadium tour in the round, like all of that yeah. sort of stuff I like because it's different, you know, yeah, and why not too. just make things different? This is rock and roll. I was going to say it's rock and roll. There's no fucking rules. Absolutely. So why do so many people play by the rules? Like who cares? Just do whatever you want. That's the definition of rock it and really roll. It really is. You know, it really <laughs> is. That's what I love about the new Avenged Sevenfold record. It's oh, so weird it. and crazy and wonky, but it's still Avenged. That's what you got to do. Like you mentioned you two or Guns N' Roses or the Beatles or the Stones. It's like they're always changing. Uh, Bowie, one yeah. of my all-time heroes. The, the icon of No pun all. intended, yeah. right? right? He, he yeah. changes enough every record so you never know what to expect, but it's still Bowie and it's still new and fresh. And I like that about music and about art. Same. What yeah. about bands like the Rolling Stones who are putting out some of their <sighs> best music? Dude, I'll tell I you mean, what. Right? Sweet Sounds of Heaven is the best Stone song, I think, since... 1989 I was since say Steel decades, Wheels. In yeah, you know, yeah, and I, I, it sounds like something from like Beggar's Banquet or, or you know, Sticky Fingers or something like that, and I, I just can't believe it. But the thing that's very cool about it is once again, they didn't, and this is getting deep in the weeds, but we're rockers, so yeah, they stopped recording with Don Was, who's been their producer since Steel Wheels yes. or so, and they went with Andrew Watt. Who is oh, Andrew I love, Watt? Right, I love Andrew. Andrew's <laughs> done the last two Aussie records, of course. Post Malone. You name it, he's done. Morrissey. It. I mean, he's worked with leg- with yeah. young legends and the greats. Yeah. He's the yeah. new Rick Rubin he of is. his generation. He is. He 100% is. Right. So so for- And he's an artist himself. He is. He's a recording artist. Yeah, yeah. a great guitar player. Yeah. And, um, so I think the fact the Stones worked with him 
you know, you get that young guy in there and obviously they're going to do what they want, but I think they're like, let's give this guy a shot. And more importantly, it sonically sounds like so crisp and so now. So I, that song, I'm like, man, because I know some people in the Stones camp and they were going to tour last summer, but they postponed. And I'm like, they must be because they're doing a new they're record. Working on they want to do new music. Yeah. And, and I want to hear them play those songs live. And how rare is that? When you get these bands like that have been doing it for 40, 50 years and their new stuff. You want to hear it. You want to hear it. Yeah. You know, you like all the bands we just talked about, all of their new records are so good. Like you're not going to the bathroom when they no, play a new song. You're holding it the entire you, you time. Want, yeah, exactly. Yes. You know, you can't miss a single or song. Or doing the old trick where you just pee in the cup and you put it on the floor. <laughs> I used to do that all the time. Just it requires more talent on my end, but yeah. <laughs> exactly. But you put it on the floor and walk. But I can do it, by the way, for the figure. record. I can. Yeah, like, like yeah. a laser beam. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it's about the strong quad muscles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. There you go. See? <laughs> so this song that you have, you're working again with the same producer with Johnny, Johnny Andrews. Andrews. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, jo- yeah. Johnny and interrupt, but Johnny Andrews no. is probably uh wrote the, the most hit songs that, that you've never heard his name. Like right. he is the guy behind Three Days, Three Days Grace, Grace and behind Hailstorm and behind you know, there's so many other bands that he works with, you know, nothing more. Wh- whoever's oh, kind of the uh, uh, star set, like whoever is kind of the hot band on the mm-hmm. scene, Johnny's had something to do with it. So we started working with him on the, do you, know, do you want to start a war record with, with the song called Lights Go Out? And that's when Rich and I decided like we shouldn't be in control anymore. You mm-hmm. know, let's find a principal like, like, uh, like in school. Like he's like the principal. That, yeah. And whatever he says goes because we're doing great, but let's put it in someone else's hands. Much like, you know, I'm sure Andrew Watt or whatever, like mm-hmm. you call the shots. Yeah. We'll give you our opinions, but you call the shots and you call the shots on my vocal or Rich's guitar or like, let's use a third party who's also an amazing songwriter. And I was always the singer who I singer writes the lyrics, right? That's how it works. And then after a while, I was like, I can write some good stuff, but his lyrics are so much better. So just let him write the lyrics. Who cares? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's 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 all about the song. You know, mm-hmm. and the more you mature as a musician, the more you realize it is all about the song. Yes, it's always cool to see written by Chris Jericho, but it's like, does anybody care? You know, right? How's the song? Right. How you know, does the song make you feel? Yeah. You know, I didn't write anything on Judas, yet I have a gold record on the wall for Judas. Congrats, by the Thank way. You. Thank you. That we sang and that's our song, yeah. you know? So all of that stuff, the performance means everything. So working with Johnny is, 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 a, is a great reminder of that. And it's, it's, he's a great kind of third man in the room for these two alpha guys like Rich and I, that's really created a cool, successful cocktail, shall we say? I love that. I love yeah. that. So I want to circle back on. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Judas for a second sure. because it did was certified gold. Yeah. I mean, ha, so how did that milestone make you feel? Well, we heard about um, probably about a year beforehand. Like if this continues to go the way it's going, it's going to go gold. And I'm yeah. like, what do you mean? Like gold? Because obviously gold is 500,000 units sold in the States. And I was like, I thought we had sold, you know, I don't know, 150,000 on Apple iTunes. Right which probably is more than anybody else is really buying. I don't think anybody actually buys singles anymore. Mm-hmm. But what we found out is streaming yeah. is how they, they delineate the, the numbers now, how they mm-hmm. figure the numbers out and YouTube views. And there's yeah. a combination of this and divide this by three and times like up all by the four. variables in a formula. Exactly. Yeah. So, so what it was, and this is ridiculous is um, 500,000 units sold is 75 million streams. Think about that. 75 million streams is equals 500,000 units sold, (laughs) which shows what kind of money you make off streams. But that doesn't matter. Point is that the combination of the streams, the YouTube and the single sold, about a year later, here it is, it's gold. And you're like, I can't believe this. Like, who would have ever, like, you know, when you think about when you're a kid and you're watching much music in Canada and Ozzy 
going to Ozzy's, talking about his gold disc and his silver disc and go to Rudolf Shankar's house from the Scorpions. He's got all the gold records on the wall. And it's like, just to have one of those, A, was so gratifying as an artist, but B, as Chris Jericho, with so many people bagging on me for being in a band and how dare you and Chris Jericho can sing and he's a wrestler and this, that, and the other thing. It's like, everyone can just shut the fuck up. <laughs> Kiss my ass. Exactly. I got a gold record on the wall. <laughs> exactly. And you can say whatever you want, man. That's That's pretty cool. You know? I was really happy about that. I also love that album. And that was when you and I first connected mm-hmm. was with that album. That's right. I really love Judas, but of course I love the whole Judas yeah, album. Yeah, the whole album of it. Yeah. Um, that's when you and I first connected. And then we went, we were at Aftershock yeah, together. That's right. Yeah, and we yeah, hung yeah, yeah. out. And that was the, that's when we became fast friends. Yeah, exactly. We very really, quickly. I just felt very connected yeah, to you. Yeah, totally. And of course I knew you were this like world-class champion wrestler. Of course, I understood your whole history, but I was really into you as a musician mm. and just being such a interesting, diverse Renaissance man. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, th- for me, that's what was so appealing. And yeah. then of course you're just a blast. We had a great time. Um, and then I went to go see you guys at the whiskey. Right. And it was such a great night. And of course, you had your light up jacket. It was like so <laughs> Showbiz, yeah. Which, by the way, that jacket has now been donated, right? As part of the hard rock, yeah. like, rock and roll memorabilia. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Like, um, I was staying quite a bit at the London Hard Rock. Mm-hmm. And last summer, actually, I saw the Stones at Hyde Park, which is right across the street from the Hard Rock. So I was staying there. And they said, like, we really want to induct your light up jacket and i was like that's so cool so i brought it over to hard rock uh all the way over to london and the guy there you know they they take it and they number it and they decide where they're going to put it and so you know about six months later it ends up at the tampa hard rock about 30 minutes from my house oh it's so awesome (laughs) i flew you know nine hours with this thing to (laughs) london and presented it and then it flew right back to Tampa. tampa but the best thing is so it's a light up jacket which is all wires and it's very intricate it's a prototype and uh, kind of one of, one of a kind. Yeah. So they put it in the in the glass case, but they also kind of made it so they can plug it in. So it's constantly. It's lighting. like rigged it's to be illuminated all at all times. Yeah. That's cool. So I was there to check it out for like the the induction ceremony, whatever you want to call it, the unveiling. And it's cool, and it's it's right beside Sammy Hagar's. Like he's got this That's white, sorry. like dirty T shirt. And I know Sammy for years, right? So Sammy, I filmed I filmed the video of like Sammy's t-shirt, t-shirt. and then my light up jacket. I said, listen, some of us get to be in the town in the hard rock cafe for a dirty t-shirt, t-shirt. that costs 30 cents. Yeah. Others have to pay 15 grand for a light up jacket to get in. So that's the difference between you and me, Sammy. The red rocker. We exactly. love it. Oh my God. What does that mean to you? Because you're you're first and foremost a music fan, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. To be affiliated and associated with these greats, with these, a lot of these legends who you grew up loving and listening to. You know, yeah. like, those moments where you're like, wow, you know, this is pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I don't ever take those things mm-hmm. for granted, you know, like um, going back with the gold record and, and you know, with the the jacket, you know, in the, ta- in the hard yeah. rock. I mean, that's, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's something that like, it's easy to just take it in stride, but, but you can't do that. You have to go, this is really, really fucking yeah. cool. And and also for me too, because obviously wrestling, I mean, I started doing both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Wrestling took off, which was actually, I played in a band way before I was, I was a wrestler, but point being like, okay, so in wrestling, I, I, you know, uh, did all these really cool things and accomplished these things, which was awesome. But then to be able to do it kind of in music as well. Also. To me, like people say, well, if you had to choose one, what would you do? It's like, I don't have to choose one. I- I've gotten to do both. And like to have that, you know, jacket in the hard rock right next to Sammy Hagar. And I think, I think it's Elliot Easton from the cars, Aww. his guitar right next to it. Like, dude, like that's, they don't fuck around with that stuff. <laughs> I know, they don't right. do it because I'm a nice guy or because right. I know, you know, George who owns the place or like, this is real life stuff yeah you know and gold record like that's not something that like i bet you there's bands that are headlining arenas right now that maybe don't have a gold record absolutely because it's just harder to do it is yeah so yeah i i take great pride in it and and it's very gratifying and and just it's really really cool and it's what i always say like i wrote a book my fourth book is called no is a four-letter word and what i mean by that is like never take no for an answer you know when it comes to business or accomplishing your goals or dreams because you can always make it happen if you have, I mean, obviously I can never be the, you know, the center for, for, for the, for the Lakers, but you know, I, but can I 
be in a band and, and write a song that goes gold. Well, why not? Absolutely. I think you can. So here, here we did it. So it's kind of really, like I said, dream come true. It's so awesome. Heartwarming stuff. Yeah. You've been doing music now. I mean, you grew up as a music lover. What were some of your earliest memories of music? What made you want to listen to music nonstop and play music? Okay, so I've always been a huge music fan. I think it started probably because my dad was really into to like 60s rock. Mm-hmm. Um, talking the old school record player that was a piece of furniture. You remember yes, those? Like you would absolutely. open the lid and then it'd be like, <laughs> and you'd like you could literally like have dinner on this thing. Yeah. It was about this big, right? Massive. Um, but I remember, like I remember the Stones and I remember Creedence Clearwater and lots of Beatles. That sort of um, was the background. And then really getting into the Beatles, like I'm not just getting like about eight or nine years old, having every Beatles record, every Beatles book. Wow. I knew who Magic Alex was and I knew, you know, who, all these types of like, Mal Evans, like all kind of the obscure guys. Mm-hmm. In the Beatles catalog, I knew that by the time I was ten. Wow! Like I really that's did. young to be that, to that devoted. Yeah, yeah, that into it, right? So, um, and it was funny though because like in the early '80s, that's when I was in elementary school. It wasn't cool to like the Beatles. Like as weird as that sounds, now the Beatles were out. It was like you know because like your parents may have listened I mean, we, to yeah, it. Yeah, it was like the yeah. Beatles and whatever. Like this is we're talking about you know it's Lover Boy and it's the Little River Band and it's Journey and it's the Knack and those type of bands. Mm-hmm. But I was like the nerdy guy who I made my own Beatles shirt. I, I cut a picture of the Beatles out of a newspaper and took it to a place to get it scanned. So I had a Beatles shirt. And I was like, you know, this is what a loser. You're like the Beatles, <laughs> like, y'all, you're a loser. <laughs> so then when I graduated from grade six into grade seven into junior high, I noticed that like all the girls I were interested in were wearing like rock shirts. That was a big thing in Winnipeg and Canada, like Judas Priest and Iron Maiden and Ozzy. So I thought, well, if I ever want to talk to one of these girls, maybe I should try and listen to one of these bands. It's Smart. Always goes Smart. back to girls, right? Of course, yeah. And I remember the first album I bought, album was cassette tape um, at a comic book store, a used comic book store. It was Blizzard of Oz. Ozzy, oh, yeah. it cost me two bucks. And third song in is Goodbye to Romance. And I'm like, Goodbye to Romance is a freaking Beatles song. Like this yeah. all all boils down to the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Like they all understand Beatles stuff too. And then, so I still spun the plates of Beatles and Stones and the Who and those bands, but then really started going deep. As deep as I was with the Beatles a few years earlier, then I was into Priest and Scorpions and Dio and Maiden and, and you know, and then even deeper with the Kick Axe and then, you know, you name it, the, the, the Icon and Keel and whatever. And then fucking here comes Metallica. Right. And that was in 84. The first album I bought was Ride the Lightning. And that kind of changed everything too. Because I remember once again on that piece of furniture stereo, opening up and putting it on because the guy told me, there's this guy called Brad Hadubiak. He used to sit in front of the drugstore where I would take the bus. And he was like this little guy with like a Malcolm Young haircut and a jean jacket and jeans. And in my mind, he plays Metallica now. You go to the right, hockey yes. game. It's, it's pop it's culture. It's then pop culture. nobody, nobody played that fast and that that heavy. Mm-hmm. Like Motorhead was heavy, but this was faster and this was heavier mm-hmm. and and meaner. And I was like, holy shit, like this is fucking crazy. And that was kind of the end of that stage. And now let's go into thrash metal and get into that side of the coin as well. I and just spiraled from there. And it was actually the ba- the German uh, power metal band, Halloween. Halloween right there. That inspired your name, Chris Jericho. It did. Um, actually, M. Shadows from Avenged Sevenfold and I have matching I Halloween love that. pumpkins because we're both Halloween fans. Um, yeah. So, so Halloween, <laughs> this is a deep dive into, into thrash. So we would go down to this record store called Records on Wheels and you'd, you'd just leaf through the heavy metal section and you'd just leaf through like A, B, like there was no Metallica section. Like yeah. was, they didn't have that then. H, and I remember seeing the walls of Jericho. And I kind of wanted to buy it, but my friend was like, we would like, if, if there, if we were on the fence, will you buy this one? Right. And I'll buy this one and then we'll trade. You can share, yeah. You know what I mean? I think I got like Lizzie Borden or something like that. And I remember we went to his house and listened to it. And this was a combination of Metallica and Iron Maiden power metal is what it's called. And yeah. it's a, it's a genre now, but they were the first power metal band. And I remember just going like, that was one of my all time favorite bands right out of the gate to Halloween. So uh, fast forward when I first went to wrestling school and you had to have a, a name. So I was going to call myself Jack Action. 
There's actually a Wasp <laughs> song called Jack Action from the Last Command album. But I love it was always music references. Yeah, it's That's all, so I was all just obsessed with music, I love it. music, music, I love music. That. And I was signing Jack Action on the cover of like this book that I kept notes in. And one of the guys that I was training with went like, what is that? Jack Action. I'm like, nothing. He's like, is that going to be your name? I'm like, no. He's like, that's the worst name ever. I'm like, I know. I'm just, <laughs> You're like, just writing like it down. It's like a work in progress. Yeah, yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. So then I'm like, fuck, I can't use Jack Action because Lance Storm hates it. So what am I going to do? And then just happen to see the walls of Jericho lying on the seat beside me on my 76 Ferrari car, rusted green. And I just said, uh, my name is going to be Chris Jericho. And they're like, okay, that's cool. cool. And I was like, oh, Chris Jericho. So that's been my name since day one till today, that's Chris incredible. Jericho. It yeah. all comes down to power metal. The power metal. It's <laughs> Halloween. I just saw Halloween here. They played the YouTube theater, which I was thinking was like going to be the whiskey. There was 5,000 fucking oh, people wow. there. That's, they're still that big all around the world. The smallest here in the States is still playing the YouTube theater. That's so it's pretty cool. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And it, so who, what was the first tattoo you got? First tattoo I got, I think, was the the Fozzie F there. Uh, we played a gig called the Tattoo Rock Club in Toronto. And I thought at the time, if I get this F on my hand, I'll never be able to work in a bank. Like, I didn't know anybody that had, had hand tattoos. And now, of course, everybody right. has them. So that was the first. And then the second was this, this Halloween pumpkin, which was just kind of this distended pumpkin in the middle of nowhere. That I realized pretty early on looked really stupid. So then I got stuff put all around it. And all of my tattoos are pretty much music based. Mm -hmm. There's yeah. Iron Maiden, there's Halloween, there's Metallica, there's the Beatles walking across Abbey Road, so kind of in frames, AC, uh, stones, Loch Ness Monster with a uh, Paul, Stanley Paul Stanley makeup, <laughs> ACDC. We talked about Ghost of the Machine, the Police, there's a Fozzie, there's Bowie there, so which good. is a cool one. Oh, that's stunning. The can, Bowie one is Bowie magnificent. One. You can yeah. see News of the World back there. The oh, Queen, yeah, Queen. Or instead of the members of Queen, is Chris Jericho's in his hand. That's so great. So all type of music related, you know, types yes, of things. I did wear my police vintage shirt. Amazing. I love it. For you. Thank I know you, you so love much. them like I do, I do. I really do. And I love your shirt because Stevie Nicks Stevie, is my personal yeah. queen. Stevie. I saw Stevie last year. So my daughter, who's 17 now, she was 16. And uh, she's a twin, but her yeah. sister had no interest, but she just got into Stevie Nicks for some reason. Oh, I love so that. So I took her to see the show and just, to, just, you know, she'd been to gigs before, but for her and I to go and for her to see Stevie walk on stage and you could just see that look like it's a real person. Oh. Like when you see somebody yeah. up close, it's real. And like, ah, oh, it was so cool. So yeah, I love Stevie. Still one of my all time favorites to this yeah, day. Yeah, same. I mean, talk about longevity. We were talking about earlier. I mean, and, she and, continues to evolve. She does. And the thing that's cool about her is, is, is something I really appreciate about the, the, the real great characters of rock and roll is you can dress up like Stevie for like Halloween. Right. And people will know, oh, that's Stevie Nicks. That's true. You know, like they just like, she's gypsy, like she's a witch, right? Like I like that about her and she came out on stage and she's, I don't know, 74 or so. And I think she's probably having some issues walking cause she wasn't walking a lot, but she did the one pirouette holding her little, you know? Oh yes. And it was just like, Biggest reaction God, of the night, goddess, you know, it was so killer. Goddess, yeah. I dress my kids up for Halloween as David Bowie, Freddie Mercury, Kurt nice. Cobain. They're legit. I'll have to show you the but pictures. What, but what what era? Of Ziggy, Bowie? Ziggy, Ziggy Star. Yeah, there Ziggy. you go. That's yeah. like a fun. That was like a fun look for. So him. that's what, yeah. and that's what I like about about Bowie, and I've done it with Chris Jericho as well. And every Halloween, I do it. Like you can dress up. You could go to a Halloween party and there'd be eight people dressed as Bowie, but all, all different, different versions eras, and you yeah. would know. Right. And they, I have that too with Chris Jericho. There's like every Halloween, there'll be four or five different Jericho looks. And I'll be like, that's great. Posting. That's, that's what I always kind of wanted to be the Bowie of wrestling, you know? I totally see that. Yeah. Your love, equal love for wrestling and music is so unique. They're your two pillars. And the only other person I could think of who loves both is Billy Corgan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who is a, yeah. a, a friend and he's yeah. been on the show and of course owns the NWA and he's in the Pumpkins and- have you Absolutely. guys bonded about this unique yeah, I mean, love? But Billy, like it's it's because yeah, he owns the NWA yeah. and has done a fairly good job of kind of building that company up. And uh, yeah, I mean, I like talking to Billy because he's probably the only guy. There's a couple others, but, but at the highest of levels yes. that has done this and understands the sacrifice of both, you know. And you know, obviously, he does the pumpkins whenever he wants and I do wrestling whenever I want but I think the passion project is NWA and the passion project is Fozzie mm -hmm. and both to see both of them grow is just as gratifying um 
But yeah, Billy, Billy, obviously very smart guy, very fun to talk to, very much an original, unique, doesn't give a fuck right up our alley for sure. Totally. Uh, so yeah, I, I was, I, I really kind of, um, uh, not a pat in the back, but was like, good for him when I heard he bought that company because yeah. I know he's got such a passion for wrestling. And if you do, then go for it. Make it happen, man, you know? Absolutely. Are you a Pumpkins fan at all? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a diehard Pumpkins fan and I've actually never seen them live, which I want to. Yeah. But I could, you know, I'm, I'm, we're, you know, we're kids of the 90s. You can name 15 Pumpkin songs just right. from listening to the radio. Yeah. So I, I respect him as, as a, as a songwriter and as a guitar player too. He doesn't get a lot of credit he as doesn't. a guitar player. I'm going to say, when, when you see him live, you'll yeah. understand his playing yeah, abilities. He's a great He's player. underrated. Yeah, I agree. He shreds. Well, he's such a character. That's why yes. people don't realize, that he, oh, he's actually playing guitar too. Oh, he actually shreds as well you yeah. know prince was like that a lot i of think course. people realize just how great of a guitar player prince was because he was such a personality and right. a showman but it's fuck. A fashion icon you know what i fashion mean it's icon, like pop yeah. culture icon but of as a guitar player dude you want to talk about top three from the 80s you might have to mention his name oh of course absolutely you know? outside of wrestling outside of music you have so many accomplishments, accolades, you know, your, your podcast, you're really a pioneer. I mean, you've been doing it now for yeah, 10 years. 10 years yeah. like you were one of the first early adopters of the yeah. medium. Talk of Jericho. I don't mind agreeing with you on yeah. that. Cause it's true. Like when I first started podcasting, um, I was doing a show on Sirius XM. It got canceled. And I was like, well, well I, st- I really like interviewing people. And so the podcast thing came around. I was like, what, a, what is a podcast? And I remember I got sent to do Adam Carolla's podcast really early on. And I was like, fuck, like I thought a podcast was like, like some kid in a university basement. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know right. what it was. And I remember going to his studio. It's in Burbank, probably right near here. Yeah. And right on the wall at the time, it said Guinness book world record uh, podcast listens. And it was like, I don't know what it was like 300 million or something. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? So then I started getting hip to what a podcast was. And when I started, um, with actually Westwood one, mm-hmm. uh, I did not want to do just a wrestling podcast and that's what they wanted me to do. And I said, I can't, well, that you're not gonna get ratings. I don't care. Like if I'm going to do this, it has to be my you, show. You. What do I like, you know? And I realized really early on that, you know, it's not really about the guest. It's about the host being able to lead the guest mm-hmm. into an interesting conversation. Now, obviously some are easier than others. But I adapted the Johnny Carson philosophy where it's the Johnny Carson show. I don't have to be the star. I just have to lead. Mm -hmm. Listen. And so that's what I wanted to do is to make my show like the Carson show where, hey, if Robin Williams was on, this is great. It's going to be the best. If, you know, it was, I don't know, Martin Mull, maybe I'm not so much of a a, a Mr. Mom fan, or that might have been Dabney Dabney Coleman, but one of the two, you'd still watch it because it's Carson. You know, it's going to be fun. There's going to be other stuff on there. So I always wanted to make my show based around, if you trust me as a host, you're going to like these guests because it's going to be diverse. I'm going to have people you've never heard. I'm going to have as big as names as I can. I might have some high school friends debating Metallica records. I don't know (laughs) what it is, right? And that's what I did. And I was able to really catch a, a niche market because it was so early on. And I remember at the time, I want to be like Rogan, Hardwick, and Corolla. Well, Corolla and Hardwick are gone. Rogan's the only one left. So here I am. And right. like, I think we've had that longevity. Because as you know, it's not easy to right. be a host. A lot of people think they can, but it's not easy to do. So if you can find the knack for that, I think you can be very successful. You are excellent at it. Oh, um, thank you. I'm honored I got to be a guest yeah, on your show. That's right. So we just talked you. about Spotify, yeah, right? Yeah, we did. That was awesome. Now you have how many episodes? I mean, over a thousand. Yeah, we had our thousandth episode. Who was my thousandth episode? Mark Maron. Mark Maron, yeah. yeah. Howie Mandel and Mark, and Mark Maron were my thousandth You did A and B. Week. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> See, exactly. I listened. Yeah, thank you, thank you. But I love that you have like your passions on there. Like, I know you love like cryptozoology yeah. and paranormal. Like, I think that is so cool because you really get to learn about you right. and your passions and your interests you know well i think it keeps people guessing you never know what you're going to get obviously there's there's a wrestling spin on it because that's you know kind of what's expected but i try to do you know one wrestling guest and one other guest a week because i have two shows a week right um and sometimes if it's two other guests that's fine too so i I try and, and keep the balance but you know like i'll i'll talk to anybody yeah about anything because you can 
Right. It's a gift. You know, and some people get mad. Like I, I had a flat earth guy on a few weeks ago. He's been on before. And people get so mad about it. And it's like, dude, if you don't like the concept, just don't listen. Mm-hmm. Listen to the next one. It's just it's just a guy expressing his beliefs and I will allow him the platform to do so. Right. That's kind of what a journalist does. It's engaging in conversation yeah. and hearing people's perspectives, whether they are the same or different from yours. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't do... Political guests, really. I did one episode with Donald Trump Jr. I don't know how I got that contact, but I was like in Trump Towers with Secret Service men all here. And I was like, listen, I don't care politics, whatever, but just the concept of this is so fucking cool. Like, here's some skid walking in here. (laughs) I got my suit on, like, you know, talking to the son of the president about stuff. You know, but people get so mad about that. I'm like, you have to understand, like, as a journalist, you need to be unbiased. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that gets lost in the translation nowadays, but that's a great get. That's a great guest. It's like, you know, going to Stuart Copeland's studio, uh, Sonic Garden, Secret Garden, I can't remember what it's called. Just, I don't know how the fuck I got this contact. Like you said, just beating the bushes. Some guy interviewed me in Scotland said I interviewed Stuart Copeland last week. You want his contact? Sure. Next week, I'm in the Secret Grove, I think it's called. And Stewart's showing me fucking, you know, why he wrote cunt on the snare drum when he used to play with the police during that tour. And it's like, this is crazy. What a great That's experience. A, what a great opportunity. Opportunity, of you know? And you got to go fast with a guy you like got Stewart. To. Like, I got to set up completely cold. My stupid little rig, I got to set up quickly, trying to make small talk, but not trying to say anything that's cool because I want to get it on. You want to I want it all. Yeah, yeah, you want to save it. Right. You know, I, went, I did meatloaf, another, once again, just oh, completely wow. strange. In San Antonio, was it Austin? One of the two. Doesn't matter. Uh, I go to the studio and I've got a hard out to get to the airport to fly home, whatever. I've been on the road for whatever it was. I need to get out of here by three. Supposed to meet him at one. Perfect. Well, one o'clock comes around. There's no meatloaf. And now it's 1.15. And now we're trying to find him. Nobody can find him. End up calling his wife, (laughs) who's now like, he left like an hour ago. And now I'm like, fuck, is he like missing or what? Oh, yeah. No one can find him. No one can find him. He finally pulls up at 2.10. And once again, I like to get an hour, but now I'm, I said to the dudes, press record as soon as he walks in Yes, here. I don't care. Just roll it. Roll it. Yeah. He got lost. Oh. Uh, and he was fucking mad about it because he went home and his wife said, you go back to the studio. They're looking for you. He's waiting for you. I don't want to go. You go. So now he's mad. And his wife followed him. When I got there, she's like, here he is. He's all yours. He walks in and the first 10 minutes of this podcast is him fucking freaking out about how he got oh, lost. Oh, no. And I was like, dude, all there was was a, was a lawyer's office. Why didn't you walk in and ask to use the phone? I can't go. I said, dude, you're meatloaf. You can walk in and use the phone. <laughs> so was, we, we, I didn't get what I wanted out of it because I got right. cut short, but I got a very unique yeah. interview with meatloaf that no one else will ever get. Right. And that's the secret that's to a good it show. It is. That's it what is. it's all about. I got the good show. You I didn't get it. to ask him what I wanted, but who gives a shit? I got matter. something unique and cool. And that's kind of what a good podcast host can go with the flow and get. And it's also about being honest. And you used it to share about your medical scare, right? Like pulmonary embolism, embolism which yeah. is so scary. Yeah, you very much so. really went into details. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I'm sure it also can help so many yeah. people. Yeah, that's why I How did are it. you feeling? I have a, a, a clean bill of health now. Great. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So that was November of, of 2021. Mm-hmm. And we were on tour in England. And I'll never forget, it was in Newcastle, which was the third gig of the tour. The night before was Manchester, and I had had some drinks and, and stayed up a little bit too late. On stage, I started getting short of breath. And I thought, well, did I just party too much last night? Maybe I have to you know, take it easy for the rest of the trip or something. Uh, and then the next two shows were Ireland, which were also kind of a little bit spotty. And they're like, well, maybe you need breathing. Like, I know my voice. I don't need fucking breathing exercises. Right. I, know, I know how to sing a set. And this is not right. This is weird. Next show, um, I was I was I was on stage and it was a smaller building and it was getting so fucking like hard to breathe and it was hot. I almost literally just walked off stage. Like I'm leaving the show. I finished the show and thankfully we had a day off and I called our manager and I was like, dude, I can't do another show. I need to get checked out. We had a day off in London. Uh, we were doing press at the London Hard Rock mm-hmm. and we knew I know a guy that works for the Red Hot Chili Peppers that used to be our tour manager and asked him if he knew any rock docs. The rock docs, yeah. Now, for people that don't know, Rock Doc is a guy who goes around to different hotels to not like not anything bad. If you need some tests done, they'll come to you. 
got the test done, whatever. They said, there's some issues here. We're going to maybe book you for a heart scan in three hours and we'll call you back about your blood. But an hour later, it's like, you need to go to the hospital. You've got blood clots, right? And I'll never forget walking, going down the elevator, walking across the lobby of the London Hard Rock. Should take about 30 seconds. It felt like I was climbing the Matterhorn. I couldn't (laughs) get in there. Check into the hospital. And thankfully, it was like a medical concierge, which means they take care of everything for you. Mm-hmm. It was a nicer hospital, right in, uh, straight to the damn lung, whatever, MRI thingy. Mm-hmm. You've got, you have, you have a pulmonary embolism. Oh, my God. Which means blood clots all in your lungs. And there was one that may have been in my throat. And that's bad because that gets to your brain right. and you Terrifying. die. Terrifying. So all those things were kind of going on. And so I knew that I needed to have uh, Eliquis, like blood thinner. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, I was told blood thinner. I was told blood thinner. I was told blood thinner. They kept giving me these tests. I wouldn't get into the wheelchair. I wouldn't put on the gown. I'm like, no, I'm not fucking doing this because it's one step closer to never getting out of here. Mm-hmm. You go in the hospital, you don't know. Right. And then they finally came in with the blood thinner. It was this giant horse needle. I was like, oh, is that the no, 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 no. boom? And your thigh squeezes in there. Ah! Oh, my God. So, yeah, it was pretty scary. And I, even though I was only in there for less than two days, it was starting to get to me really bad the second day. Because the first day, I'm super positive. I'll be out of here. And they're like, you'll probably be out here in the morning. And the morning comes like, no, you can't get out of here. Like, no, mm. no, please. These levels have to be low. And then once I got out, I'm still stuck in London because you can't fly. Right. So yes. I was stuck there for like 10 days. And then I had to do all these exercises and all these things to get my blood oxygen level higher because it was so low. They almost wanted to put me on the, fu- on the cannula and then the mm-hmm. ventilator, which at yeah. the time was still uh, pandemic stuff. Ventilator right. is death. Yes. So finally I was able to go home and I took the warning and just went for every single test and I lost 30 pounds and cholesterol and visceral fat and all the stuff that you probably know that people Mm -hmm. don't know. Like visceral fat is the fat that surrounds your organs. Yes. It was way out of line. It's supposed to be under 10. I think it was at like 14 or 15 and just stuff like like people die from these things. And thankfully I didn't. So I took the warning and, and, and I, how have you changed? What changes have you made? Diet. Mm hmm. Drinking. I think during the pandemic, we were drinking way too oh, much. Yeah. All of us were. Yeah. just didn't even think about it. I still Same. like to drink, but I really cut down that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but diet more than anything. Just and, and realizing, like, I went to a medical weight loss clinic. Um, did it properly with like you know you eat six times a day, small little snacks, have mm-hmm. your eight ounces of protein. I don't I'm not that strict anymore, but I still stick to it. Probably sixty or seventy percent. Watch my weight. I carry a scale with me. If I go keep yourself over, in check. Yes. Yeah. If I go over, you know, the, the weight that I want to be, I instantly go right back into super diet mode and just watch it, you know, and, and um, found a medical concierge in Tampa where they just, let's regular blood tests and you got to take this for your cholesterol and watch this. And you got to take that and like all the stuff that you don't think about, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty scary wake up call, but, um, but I'm glad it's probably in retrospect, one of the best things that happened to me because it really got my shit together from a health standpoint. Yeah. Silver linings and all of these things. Absolutely. And you look great. I mean, I see your abs. I mean, it's really impressive that you you. stay in such great shape. I mean, I needed to at that point. And then once I got down, it's like, I want to stay here. Yeah. Cause you know, when you lose a lot of weight, some of it comes back up. I lost 31. I'm probably probably gain about five back and that's okay. That's okay. I don't we want have to find that maintenance and healthy, sustainable. We're still zone. human beings. Yes. You can't just eat, you know, no. wafers, boiled chicken, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like the little diet snacks yeah. all the time. You have but, to live. Yeah. But you know, water, I didn't realize how much water you need oh, to you be need drinking. So like I'm water. the guy now who writes it down. Like here's my, I'm trying to figure out what, how much ounces this cup is. Cause I'll be yeah. writing it down. Yeah. All those little things just kind of keep it all in check. That's fantastic. I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah. Cause that was scary. It was, it was very scary. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, sometimes things like this bring your family closer together because it just changes perspective change your perspective of, of, yeah. of life yeah and it makes you realize you know like it's it, it could go by so fast it's funny because we had just watched the movie dirty rotten scoundrels mm-hmm. and the star i think i can't remember what her name is the the, the chick who ends up scamming steve martin and michael michael oh, yeah. kane kane uh his name is glenn headley and it's like whatever happened to her? we look it up and she died of what oh. a pulmonary embolism and this wow. was two days before I found out, oh, I have a pulmonary. It was, it was just really weird mm-hmm. kismet type stuff. So Yeah. Yeah. Are you close with your kids? I love seeing the posts that you do for their Yeah, their I mean, here's, here's something kind of melancholy about it. And you'll understand this. You have two, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, my son's in, in college now and my daughters are seniors. So next year they'll be going to college. And I read something where it said that um, 
like 80% of the time you spend with your children will be before they're 12 oh, and yeah. 90 will be before they're 18. It's like, well, I'm done. I got 10% yeah. left. So yeah, you're pretty close with your kids, right? I'm, I'm, I think I've been a pretty good dad, uh, but when they get old enough to leave, they're out mm-hmm. and they're gone. And so I think I know how it was for, for me and my dad. Like when I left home, I started realizing just how cool my dad's career was being, oh. being a hockey player for mm-hmm. 10 years. And then realizing that this is pretty special stuff. I think when you're just at home every day, it's just your dad. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm cool when they find out that Snoop Dogg follows me on Instagram, <laughs> you know, or that I got a birthday totally. message from Shaq or something right, like that. Right, or I was right. on Hot Wings or, yeah. I think once they get a little older, like my kids are like, I didn't know this about it. I'm like, well, I got five fucking books. You can read everything right yeah. there. If you ever want to, there's your dad's whole life. And there is a lot of cool stuff. And maybe you should read it because it might give you guys some inspiration to do things that maybe you don't think you can do or people are telling you can't do or whatever yeah. it may be. So, um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think I'm pretty close to them and I'm probably going to get a lot closer now as they become young adults Older. and start going out into the world. That's when I can probably help the most. I yeah. think, you know, I think also when you have a, a celebrity parent, sometimes that can be difficult because yeah. you want to create your own identity, sure, absolutely. you know? So I'm sure there's also that sort of like, that's what happened with my son. He had a really rough time in his first year of college and he's doing much better in his second year, but a, you know, he moved out at 18. That might be a little bit too young. And mm-hmm. B, he's like, you know, it's hard being Chris Jericho's son and mm-hmm. Ted Irvin's grandson. Right, you know, you know, right. Dad celebrity had, grandfather as yeah, well. So, yeah. And I said, well, no one expects you to, to be a celebrity, but just try, try mm-hmm. harder. And, 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 you know, I think, I think once again, like I, I moved out of the house when I was 19 and I started going to college when I was 17, but I stayed home. Like I was going to college in Winnipeg. So I'd be home every day. It's different. Yeah. Going on your own to the dorm and all that world. Yes, it is. I just think he was overwhelmed and didn't know what the fuck to do. But this year is a lot better and, and he's doing a lot better. So yeah, every kid is different. You know, like not every kid is is, is how you are. I yeah. am. Like our kids don't grow up to be like us. Right. No. So they have to find their own identity. And that's a little bit kind of. Not scary, but it's interesting to see what are they gonna what are they gonna do? Like what are they gonna land on? Because none of them show any interest in music or wrestling whatsoever. They don't. Zero. That's interesting. Zero. Which is very interesting. Yeah. Think at least one like that's three kids times two. That's six. Zero of six. So I don't know. It might also be the fact just because it's what you do and they want to find Maybe, their own yeah, land. And, and they might find it later on. Who yeah, knows? Who knows? That's valid too. So yeah. it's just it's a cool time to just see when your kids become young adults and start developing their own personalities. And like it was cool because my daughter's uh, they just went and saw Lana Del Rey. Oh, who's awesome. the big, you know, the big name on the scene for their age. And they were so nervous about getting the tickets and they're worried. And and I was like, you know, you're gonna get tickets. It's fine. Yeah. I, I will make sure you guys get tickets. Yeah. But you need to go try and get them. And so they had to wait in line and call the oh, hotline yeah. and go online. And then like the, we all did. Going yeah. down there and waiting in traffic. Like that's part of the rite of it passage is. of going to a gig. And I thought that was really cool that they figured it out for themselves and didn't rely on me to do it for them. Because I would have. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. They got their tickets and they were right up front. And it was like, that's I love that. That's accomplishment, you know? That's part of that rock and roll experience. Yeah, it's not just showing up for the show. It's like doing yeah, whatever it takes. Yeah, to my get dad the gave tickets. me tickets and you know organized the limousine to take us. Down. <laughs> it's not the it's same. Way more fun to have to wait on your own. Like I remember waiting for ACDC tickets in February at seven a.m. in Winnipeg and minus thirty. Like yeah. fuck, if you don't oh, wait yeah. at the box office, you might not get tickets. Because when you were a kid, takes. you thought everything was going to sell out. You didn't know. You know, thinking about you and what you've accomplished. I mean, multiple times world champion pro wrestler, you know, I mean, Fozzie, gold records, New York Times bestseller. You've been on Masked Singer, Dancing Mm -hmm. with the Stars. You're an incredible host. You know, I love hosting. So I really respect that skill set. Hosting shows, game shows, you know, like you're just, you're very, I think what intrigues me the most about you is how diverse and multifaceted and multi-talented you are. Like people, you know, who could be the best at their craft, that's incredible. But you are that in like sort of several arenas that's very unique to you. What of what are you the most proud? I think just for what you just said, having the diversity mm-hmm. of just being able to do all of these cool things um, and having a, a great fan base that trust me for that mm-hmm. you know I, there's I, there's a lot of things that i don't do because i just don't think it's i don't know that uh, something that i'd be interested in you know like mass singer i got asked to do like two or three times i just thought it was the dumbest idea ever and then when they finally asked me to do it, i said well this kind of could be cool and come up with some weird costume that you would not expect me to be and, and all this other stuff um so i i, I do things for for the creative element and for the experience i don't do anything for money and i think the people that follow my work and appreciate it know that. So yeah. 
I'm very proud of all of the things. I think one of my favorite things that I've been able to do is the Jericho cruise. Yes. That is so cool cool that you do that. We did the kiss cruise in 2015 Fozzie. And as soon as we docked, I called uh, my manager, who's my partner on the cruise. I think I got an idea. I think we can do this. How do you put wrestling matches at sea? Would you wait till you got to port? I'm like, no, it happens in the ocean. How? I I don't know. Like figure it out, figure it out. Right. Like let's figure it out. So we had to have like, um, I say a team it was probably two or three engineers come on board and figure out like, how do you put a ring on the ship? Cause they're worried. What if there's really bad waves or what if there's some bad winds? Like, what do you do? And I was like, well, can't you just chain it? Like, no, you can't do that. So what we had to do is like, basically they invented these like uh, cubes, giant cubes. You fill them with water and then you, you build the ring on top of the cubes. And these cubes are so heavy that they don't move. Like, I say, you know what I mean? They're like yeah. water ballasts, I guess. Yeah. And so then I had to get the trademark on those and I own them and they're like in a storage unit somewhere. So if anyone else ever wants to go on a wrestling cruise, they're going to have to think of their own shit because I patented these things. But once again, like, how do you do it? Well, I don't ever, like one of my mottos that everybody that that I work with on my team knows is like, don't tell me why it's not going to work. Tell me how we can make it work. I love that. Because there's always a way. Tell me how. There might be, there's only 100 chance. Okay, let's get that one in 100 going. And if you try every other out uh you know every other uh way of trying it and, and you don't get it fine but usually usually you can make it work that sounds like that's sort of your superpower it's like because like if you think about like what is it about you you any one of these verticals would have been enough do you know what mm-hmm. i mean like just doing your wrestling and all the accolades would have been enough or Fozzie or being a, a new york times bestseller multiple times like what is it about you is it it, do you like the challenge? You know, like what is, what drives you? Um, I just think, uh, because when I was really young, I wanted to be in a rock and roll band and I wanted to be a wrestler and it wasn't like a, a champion wrestler, a rock star. I just wanted to be in a fucking band and I wanted to be a wrestler and just whatever, whatever level that led to like, that's cool. I think once I was able to succeed in not just one but both of those then suddenly then all limits are off right now what I'm, else is possible now i'm dangerous like bring it on oh you can't do that well fuck off i bet you i can because everyone told me i couldn't be a wrestler it was too small everyone said i couldn't make it in a rock and roll band because i'm a wrestler can't sing um or whatever it may be so i did both of those and proved those people wrong so now it's like okay well what else can we do what's a podcast well let me try that let's make it the biggest podcast in the world yeah what does that mean what do i have to do you know uh Kiss cruise. Well, if Kiss can do a cruise, I can do a cruise. I know Paul Stanley. Let me give him a call and see if he has any advice. You know, and it took a while. It took three years to sell that cruise, but we did. And right out of the for well, the first year was not a success. I lost a lot of money. Second year, huge success, and the pandemic comes, and they got to restart it. Whatever. But all of these things, you know, uh, starting AEW, the company I work for yeah. now, like it's a it's a risk. What if it doesn't work? Well, what if it does work? And it did. You know, so all of these things are just like if you really believe in what you're doing. And you know that there's a chance you can make it work. Then why not just make it work? Right. And don't take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. You know, no is a four letter word, right? Right. So I, I just, I, I like the challenge. and I like keeping people um, guessing to what I'm going to be doing. And once again, I take great responsibility in the fact that I have a, a really large fan base of people that trust, that trust my judgment. So if I come up with something, they'll probably give it a try. Now you might not like it, right. but at least you know it's coming from the heart. And I have another meeting right after this where we're, we're actually pitching this show that we created to a couple networks and whatever. It's like, you know, you create shit and then you try and get it out there. Yeah. And sometimes it sticks. And if it sticks, then I know like I did this for the right reasons because I think it's a cool idea. Absolutely. As long as you're doing it from the heart. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's all that matters. Like, if you're doing something that you love, money will always follow. Mm-hmm. If you're doing something for money, the love might always follow. It's going to fall apart. Yeah, you know? that's true. And it will not have that, will not be as rewarding. Yeah, exactly. What else is on your bucket list? What else do you hope to achieve? It's funny, I don't really have a bucket list, Allison. That's the thing. Like I I never really had any, you know, any idea. Like I never said, oh, I want to do Dancing with the Stars. I want right. to do The Masked Singer or whatever. And when it, when the time came, it just felt right. Like I just did before the strike two basically Hallmark movies. That's amazing. <laughs> called Country Hearts where I play like the dad. Like that was really cool. And like, that's what like, we might take this to serious. It's like, well, when the strike ends and they show, and if you want to do it, like I would do more of that. That's and awesome. It, you know, if it doesn't work, that's fine. But it just, it, it was the right time, right place. It felt right. It felt good. So, you know, I, I've always enjoyed the acting that I've done. So if more of that comes, great. Um, 
still doing some pretty good work in wrestling. So there's no reason to stop that. Right. Uh, and Fozzie's, you know, we played our biggest show ever uh, in London as a headliner and we played Wembley Stadium just a month ago at, at the AEW show. So, you know, it's, it's, it, that's growing. So, and you know, there's so many odds and sods of other things that I like to do that there's no reason to really um, stop them. So who, my bucket list will be what comes across my proverbial desk that I think is cool. I love that's that. That's the bu- bucket list. Yeah. See, that's so badass to me. Like, yeah. I feel like you're always challenging yourself, making yourself a little uncomfortable, yeah. you know, putting yourself outside the comfort zone. Like yeah, to you, me, you, that's you, rock you and roll. You know what yeah. I hate the most when I go to meetings? Like, um, so what do you want to do? What mm-hmm. kind of should it? No, 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 no. What do you have? Mm-hmm. You know, cause I, I hosted, you know, a show called robot combat league for the sci-fi channel which was giant fighting robots c- controlled by people. You know, it didn't last long. And the robots were so archaic at the time, but was, and that was never on my bucket right, list. Right, 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 right. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. Let's, let's, let's do cool. it, you know? So I, I think like, I don't know what I want to do. What do you have in mind? And let's work on that. Yes. You know, let, let's see what we can, we can figure out. Like, like with this booking agent for the podcast is just hired. Well, what kind of guests do you want? Well, bring me some guests. Right. I can pretty much talk about anything with anybody. So what do you got that's interesting? Let's do it that way. Who would be like a dream guest for you? I mean, I got to go with Mick Mick, Mick and Keith. I got to go with McCartney just because they've been such white whales for me for 10 years. And I'm such a huge Stones fan and such a huge Beatles fan. Yeah. You know, but I mean, just Sting. Yes, of course. I mean, you name it from that level of of, of, of rock and roll. Yeah. Legend. Yeah. The legends. The legends. These are the legends. I mean, yeah. It will not come again. Like these will, these type of person will never come again. Yeah. We mentioned earlier talking to Angus Young and Brian Johnson. I mean, I don't know if they'll ever do press again. They just happened to put out a record right in the middle of the pandemic. They couldn't tour on it. And I told my producer, get me fucking Angus. Like they're doing every show and we got it. Like, so I'm at, you know, Iron Maiden doesn't do interviews with anybody, but they'll always do talk as Jericho. Right. The manager, great. Rod, likes it's the trust. It. It's, the trust. it's the trust. So I need to build that name into everything, acting, you know, whatever. Yes. Like who does Rogan have this week? Give him to me. Let me do it. You right. Know? So that, that's once again, there's no real bucket list other than I'd really love to, to have, you know, a, st- a stone yeah. you know, or a beetle. That'd be amazing. You know, either, either of those, if, the, if that's the, the, the big question, that would be my answer. Well, I would like to co-host with you yes, <laughs> in these situations or beyond. I just think that you and I- We've always said that. We've always said that. I think that you and yeah. I have such a, a beautiful rapport. I think we had an and idea think, for a show at yes, some point. Yeah. I think we might need to revisit I'd that. I'd be into it for yes. sure. For sure. Okay, good. Yeah. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do deep cuts. I feel like we kind of went through some of these, but let, let's just see what comes to mind. Okay. okay. Name a song, album, or artist that changed your life. Wow. Um, well, Master of Puppets was, mm-hmm. a, was a game changer. Kiss Alive 2 was a game changer for me because uh, I got in a non-makeup kiss first and went backwards. Oh, uh, So I always loved non-makeup kiss. Is probably Paul, non-makeup Paul Stanley is my favorite rock star oh, of all time. Oh, it's amazing. Makeup Paul Stanley is great, but non-makeup. Non-makeup, non-makeup yeah. Paul Stanley. Um, and also too, uh, gosh, I think Abbey Road was really, really influential in me because it was so diverse and very weird and very... Not Beatles, but it is Beatles, and it's just fucking great. What was your first concert? That Police was, yeah. <sighs> Synchronicity Tour. This yeah. is literally from the tour. Yeah. Aug- this was yeah. sold there. August of nineteen. It was August of nineteen eighty-three. That's amazing. And the opening band was the Thompson Twins. Oh, that's incredible! I remember I saw a guy. There's like, you're here for the police. I just came for the Thompson Twins. <laughs> <laughs> that's classic. <laughs> what is a song you wish you wrote? I mean, you know, you could say, what's the biggest song yesterday? I wish you wrote that one. But I mean, just because we're talking about Kiss, like I think Heaven's on Fire is the best well-written Kiss song. Uh, I think it's such a great song. Uh, I think One by Metallica is the best (sighs) written Metallica song. So if you're talking about, you know, what what songs like my favorite bands that I enjoy, those would be some of the examples. You know, what song do I wish I would written? Like Judas, I'm, I'm glad that we wrote that song. Yeah, you know, I'm glad amazing. that that's our song. That's what we, that's our enter Sandman to the world. Not at that level, but we wrote the song that I wish we could have wrote. It's something that people get something from or get meaning from. And little kids love that song. I get so many videos on Twitter from little kids dancing and singing to that song. Like little babies and five-year-old kids. So Aww. 
you know, that's the younger generation that will always hopefully remember that song. And so that that's, I guess I'm glad we wrote that one. I love it. And I, the fact that I saw both you and Kiss at the whiskey. Oh, that's, pretty you awesome. saw that. that's great. You yeah, saw that. Gig. That was, yeah. ama- I mean, they walked across Sunset Boulevard in their makeup and costumes. That was awesome. Uh, so, I mean, those <laughs> moments, yeah. you just got to just drink them in. Yeah, it's totally. nuts. Absolutely. What's your favorite movie? Um, I don't like big time Hollywood movies. Um, I like Big Lebowski. I like oh. the Spinal Tap. I mean, oh, God. I know at the time so Blues good. Brothers was big time, but Blues Brothers, Slapshot, uh, Indiana Jones, The Temple of Doom. Oh. That's big Hollywood, but Empire Strikes Back, those type. But I, if you had to ask me one, I think Big Lebowski is probably the most random, mundane, ridiculous movie that I just really, really love. It's one of a kind. Really, it's, That's it, what's it, so it, cool it's just, about it, it. It's just a combination of preposterous situations strung together. That's basically the plot of the movie. Yeah. There's really not a police looking for his rug. Like that's it. Yeah. Uh, just amazing. I love that movie. What is your favorite meal or cuisine? I mean, um, I really enjoy uh, after the show um, wrestling. Cause you know, you gotta, you want to try and be in the best shape you can after the show, having a nice meat lovers pizza with extra cheese. Right. That's like just a, a really great after show. Like, okay, the, the work is done. Let's enjoy this pizza. I really, really dig that. Is that different than what you want after a Fozzie show? Yeah, I don't really eat a lot after a Fozzie okay. show. Because if you're doing five shows a week, you don't want to be having five pizzas a week. But wrestling's once a week, right. let's say. Yeah, most of the time after Fozzie, I don't really eat a lot. Mostly uh, go back to the diet snacks that we're talking about, the yeah. you know those types of things. But I also really enjoy like breakfast food, like eggs yeah. and bacon and toast and that sort of thing. I'm a, I'm a breakfast for dinner type yeah, of guy. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. If you could meet any celebrity dead or alive, who would it be? Gosh, I don't know, man. That's such a hard question to ask. It depends on what kind of a mood I'm in. Um, I think just because I'm such a big Beatles fan, I think to have a conversation, like some kind of a lunch conversation with John Lennon where mm-hmm. you, you're just two dudes, like having a conversation like, yes. like having John Lennon talk is Jericho, oh, I think would be really imagine? amazing, you know? Um, and also being a big a Metallica fan, Cliff Burton would be great. Yeah. Um, Michael Jackson I'd really mm-hmm. would like to talk to him alive once again I think Mick or Keith would right. be the best Same. ones yeah which can happen I'm, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, hel- I'm helping you Help like manifest have, this I met Keith before I had a great conversation with Keith for about 20 minutes with Jimmy Fallon Jimmy Fallon oh, brought, wow. me, brought me to meet him and it was great because he had a he had this fucking ashtray and we walked in there and Jimmy's like, yeah, we, we didn't know you're in here Keith we couldn't smell the cigarettes like man I got this fucking ashtray you, you put the cigarette on it and it sucks the smoke down. And I was like, my grandma had one of those in the 70s. Too. <laughs> but the, not the, a new invention. The best quote of all those, we had WrestleMania at Meadowlands, uh, not Meadowlands, at MetLife Stadium in Jersey. And Stones were playing there like the next week. And, and, and uh, Jimmy's like, yeah, Chris just wrestled at MetLife. He's like, oh, that's a great room, man. That's <laughs> a great room. It's a, it's, a, it's, it's a stadium. It's a great room. It's a great man. room. It's fucking, like it's a close small yeah, club. Yeah, what, what a great room. <laughs> <laughs> also, your impersonation's amazing. Oh, great, Very yeah. impressive. Um, what is something fans would be surprised to learn about you? It always makes me laugh, like when you go grocery shopping or something, and people see you, like, "Oh my gosh, what are you doing here?" Like, <laughs> I'm a human being. Grocery, yeah, like, oh, you don't have somebody to do that for you. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think just that uh, I love. I, I just I, what I love doing at, when I'm at home is just sitting in my hot tub and just I live on a lake, so just looking out at the lake and just kind of relaxing to me. That's like. The, one of the most relaxing things, yeah. you know? Um, so I don't know if that's a big surprise, but I just really enjoy that kind of atmosphere of being on the water and hearing the water and that sort of a, a The vibe. tranquility. Yeah, it's yes. very tranquil. God, water is the most calming, therapeutic, yeah. Yeah. medicinal thing. It really is. Yes. I also have six dogs. So that's You do? Yeah. Wow. That's what, so all kinds? That. All kinds, yeah. yeah. A couple of rescue dogs. Aww, and we just great. got a Doberman puppy. Oh, um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's six of them. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm a dog lover myself. Yeah, go ahead. What's the greatest risk you've ever taken? Probably leaving WWE to go with AEW, mm-hmm. which was an unproven. We didn't even have TV at the time. Just, uh, just my boss, Tony Khan had a lot of passion and he had the money for it. We had a roster of guys that I felt could do something. And then when I got involved, we were able to get on TBS and then kind of went from there. So I just think it was one of those things where I thought I, I've done all I can do in WWE and I could stay here, but I don't want to just stay here. I don't want to just be a guy. Let's try and change history. Let's yeah. make wrestling a better, a better industry. And we've done that because now there's a viable, you know, a second company that people can work at and fans can watch. So 
but it was a real risk, man, because mm-hmm. WWE is such a monopoly for so many years. Uh, for us to come in there and get such a, a great demo and a great fan base out of the gate was something I don't think anybody really expected. They thought we'd be dead and gone in six months mm-hmm. and we'd have our four-year anniversary this Tuesday so or Wednesday. Yeah. That's amazing. See, that's the rock and roll spirit in you. It is. It is. You hey, have let's, to. let's try it. You know, let's I, try I it. could just stay here. Hey, I could be Ziggy Stardust again. But I want to try Aladdin Sane or the Thin White Duke or, you know, Tin Machine or whatever it may be, you oh, know, the yeah. button, button eye. All the way to the end, Bowie had characters, you know? Always. So that to me was always like, I want to evolve and change not just my look or my sound, but in, in, in my career goals and what kind of chances I'm taking. Mm-hmm. What is the greatest advice you've ever gotten or words that you now live by? Copyright everything that Gene Simmons told me that. <laughs> Save your money. I mean, that's the number one thing that everyone's told, but I actually always did save my money. Even when I was making 30 grand a year, I still tried to save half of it. Mm-hmm. You know, like whatever it was that I could make, I would try and keep. And even now, you know, a high level business, you know, big sports contract, I still save a lot of money, you know, um, more than probably most because I just, you know, you never know. It's show yeah. business, man. You know, here today, gone later today, as, as David Lee Roth says. So I never wanted to be in that position where if I was gone later today, I'd be like, what the fuck happened to all my money? What am I going to do? So that's why I don't do like conventions or cameos. Like I'll save that. If I lose all my jobs, I'll be, <laughs> I'll be doing conventions every weekend and cameos every night. But yeah, I mean, I just that sort of advice, you know, take a chance, uh, do something different. If you want to make it, do something different. Don't be afraid to, 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 to think outside of the box. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's my, my, my model for my entire life. You know, I don't play by the rules and drive some people crazy. I don't hurt anybody, but don't tell me what to do. I don't like being told what to do. <laughs> yeah. There is one Chris Jericho and I'm grateful for you, Chris. Thank oh, you. I, lo- thank I really, you. I love you. I do. I adore you. I adore your, your ethic, your work ethic, your, your, your drive, your multifaceted talent. You really inspire me. Oh, so thank so you. Good I'm to serious. See you. I'm glad I'm I got serious. to do this. This is amazing. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Allison. Chris can do absolutely anything, and to me, that is the most inspiring. It is now time for my sound advice, new music you need to know on the Allison Hagendorf Show playlist. First up is the latest song from our guest, Chris Jericho, and his band Fozzie. It is out today. We talked all about this one. It is a standalone banger, not from an upcoming album, so put it on your workout playlist and stay tuned for the video coming next week. Check out the latest from Fozzie out today, Spotlight. Also, this week is a new song from a band I've been supporting from the beginning, Dead Poet Society. Originally from Boston, now in Orange County, they cite bands like U2, Muse, Highly Suspect, and Royal Blood as influences. And frontman Jack Undercoffler has one of my favorite voices. They just announced their sophomore album, Fission, coming in January. But this song about a brutal breakup is out today. Check out Dead Poet Society. I hope you hate me. Also out this week is a new one from Hong Kong-born and Los Angeles-based singer-songwriter, guitarist Toa Bird. I love her. Such a talent. She shares that this song is about love and sex and pleasure and pain. It's about hedonism in its purest form. Toa is such a great guitarist. She's truly unique and an artist you should definitely have on your radar. Check out Toa Bird's song out today, Drain Me. That's my sound advice this week. Search for the Allison Hagendorf Show playlist wherever you listen to music. Thank you so much, as always, for being part of the Allison Hagendorf Show. New episodes drop every Friday, so make sure you follow and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. You can find the show wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can also watch the show on YouTube. I would love to hear from you. So please like, comment, rate, review, whatever you're feeling, and reach out to me on socials at Allie Hagendorf. I'd love to connect with you. Let me know who I should interview next and what new music I should feature on my sound advice. Thanks again. I'll see you next week. And remember, you're a rock star. 